What's up, guys? This is RB3. I'm Sabrina. And uh, welcome back to another episode of Meeting Up Podcast, our 112th episode. Wow. Um, yeah, we're, we're doing it big. First episode of 2019. How, do you, how was your new year? Really good. How was yours? Uh, it was cool. You know, it, a lot of big news happened online. Yeah. Uh, we're still in the studio, so if anybody is wondering, we're here. We're here. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe nobody else is. We're celebrating. But, yeah, that's cool. Um, it's crickets. Crickets, well, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, a lot of dust laying around. Thanos really <laughs> we gotta bring so um Ace isn't here. Um yes. he's maybe he, in Arizona. Yeah, he's back at home with family. So yeah. obviously sending all of our love to him and his family while they enjoy their time together, you know. Um yeah. he's here in spirit. Here in spirit. And here in spirit. <laughs> we obviously we normally have done, I guess, a, a best of the year for last year by this point um but ace isn't here so and we need ace for that i mean yeah on, we definitely can't do that no um but we can't talk about uh, Sam Mendes. I almost said Sean Mendes. Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes. We had we, had we literally this, had a whole yep. thing right before um, Mendes. Sam Mendes. Apologies. We're going to be going back and forth on yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. If you're watching this we'll episode, try our best. Um, brilliant director. Uh, has Amazing. a really long filmography. Well, not long filmography. As you kind of has a short filmography. He's more selective with his films. Um, but. Um, but he, definitely a big impact, you a bi- know? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, congrats to him. He won so big at the Golden Globes this past weekend. Yeah, so, yeah, I yeah. mean, like, that wasn't really expected. I think it was kind of, you know, unexpected from everybody. Yeah, like, yeah. Nobody, nobody saw that coming. So good for him. Congrats. Good, good for him. I, You know, he's he's won a lot of, he's had a lot of awards and acclaims yeah. for a lot of his movies. And obviously we're going to talk about American Beauty, his feature film debut. Um, we're going to talk about Revolutionary Road. He also got Oscar nominations and acclaim for that. Skyfall, I personally consider my favorite James Bond movie. Um, and of course, we're gonna at the end of the episode, we're gonna have a review for 1917. We just saw yeah. it literally, literally just walked out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> got Chick Fil A came over here. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's what it's about. Fresh, so it's fresh in our minds. Fresh in our minds. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited about this. Uh, yeah. Now we could just uh, just for some quick background, I guess on. on um, want to say Sean Mendes for Sam <laughs> Mendes um, Sam Mendes he obviously has like a theater background he was a theater director for a long time before he transitioned to, into movies um, and I think you can kind of see that in a lot of his work um, I think yeah. in particular something like um, like um, 1917 is like a perfect example I thought about that and I didn't know about his background so yeah 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 it's really uh, cool yeah and it's, it makes it really interesting because that pressure and that adrenaline from directing uh, a theatrical performance when there's no takes, there's no mess-ups. You kind of have to run it back, and there's a lot of rehearsals, and there's a lot of tense, you know, character work and and acting work that's put into it. And you can see through a lot of his films that a lot of the actors uh, in his movies often get, like, awards attention. Um, Obviously, um, American Beauty got a lot of awards attention. Um, A Revolutionary Road, I believe both of the leads now are nominated. And obviously 1917 is just going to blow the water water out this this year. That's Um, really great, though, that he can kind of pull. Obviously, these are all very talented actors. And so part of it's them. But he's able to pull these performances from these actors. Um, That is definitely something special. And, you know, getting awards consideration with like American Beauty and Revolutionary Road and now 1917. That's yeah. a big deal. So not a very big deal. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to break 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 it down now. It, just break look it down. for break, break <laughs> it down. Um, now, do you now out of the films that you've seen of uh, Sam Mendes' filmography, do you see like a general through line um, through his films, or do you see kind of differing? Um, ideas and ideologies represented um, with two in specific, um, yeah. American Beauty and Away We Go. Uh-huh. I saw a lot of the same themes, kind of like. A deconstruction of the American dream, kind of like superficiality. Mm-hmm. Um, let me go to Away We Go. Um, kind of the breaking down of family and life. Yeah. Um, kind of just like relationships, American culture, as I said, all of that kind of stuff, a discontentment with your life. Like I, I see that both specifically, and it's done in two different ways, which obviously we'll get to it when we get to those films. But it's really interesting to look at. So that's something I noticed with those two in specific. Um, But I'm not so familiar with his filmography. Mm -hmm. I planned on checking more out. um, But, you know, it's a new year. You know, we're still we're still recovering. But um, but yeah. So what about you from because I know you've seen a lot more than I have. Yeah, no, I actually 100 percent agree. Uh, The deconstruction of the uh, American family, a nuclear family. Yeah. That you kind of talk, you spoke about with American Beauty and where we go. I think that's also something we see in Revolutionary Road as well. Okay. Um, you know, that's a, that's literally a, a film about uh, Leo and Kate Winslet trying to deal with each other's 
marriage and their ups and downs over like the course of like 20 some odd years or whatever. Um, so it really goes into what like masculinity means in like a relationship too, right? Like yeah. what does a fractured masculinity contribute to uh, a, a relationship or a marriage or a family, nuclear family situation? Um, and you even see, you know, to a different extent, you see the discontentment with American lifestyle and yeah. normality, for lack of a better term, uh, even in something like Jarhead um, with, with Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, his he's a character who's a soldier, um, primarily mostly because he's just kind of addicted to being uh, at at war. Um, and when we see when he gets home towards the end of the film that he's having a way, he'd had a way more satisfying time going through the hellscape of the oh, Gulf wow. War than he does yeah. at home. So it's um it's it's a really uh, I think that's something that that Reese do through a lot of his films too, um, which is really fascinating because he's a British. Uh, director, he yeah. comes from Britain, so you know his kind of. Uh, I wonder if he has that kind of like outside perspective, like mm-hmm. of the American dream, seeing it from like an outsider's point of view. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that kind of like helps him capture it the way he does because he he's so accurate. Obviously, it's exaggerated, but it's so accurate, and right. he does it in a really like specific way right. that I enjoy a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, hundred percent. Me too. So I guess that just kind of leads us right into our first movie. Um, yep. Talking about American Lifestyle, American Beauty, um, starring American obviously Beauty. Annette Bedding, um, Wes Bentley, you know, a guy named Kevin Spelanke, um, <laughs> and a lot of and a, uh, a really uh, talented ensemble. Um, this movie obviously won like Best Picture when it Mina came Suvari. out. Mia Savari. Mia Savari. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this movie won um, a ton of awards when it came out. Won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay. Um, Dang. Best lead, best uh, lead actor, obviously with uh, uh, Kevin Spelanke, and um, <laughs> he who should not be named. He should not, who should not be named. <laughs> and um, and um, Con- Conrad L. Hall uh, also won an Oscar for the cinematography. Um, mm-hmm. Now, uh, I watch this movie quite often because I really enjoy a lot of the editing that's in this movie. Yeah. Um, I think they're pitch perfect scenes of editing that are just presented throughout this film. Um, to me, the perfect example I always go to is like the. Uh, middle scene uh, I don't know if it's in the middle it's probably closer towards the beginning but where uh, where uh, the main the main arch, uh, patriarch uh, Lester of the household he's uh, arguing with uh, Annette Bedding and they're going back and forth well he's arguing with the, with the whole family it just ends with like the smashing the smashing place yeah. thing um, yeah. to me the way the scene builds is kind of like a microcosm of how much I like the movie because mm-hmm. it kind of starts off with like this normality like kind of just average basic lifestyle but you can clearly see our the main the main protagonist in, in our eyes. He's bored, yeah. And, and it's communicated just through the longness and the dreariness happening in the beginning of that scene. But it amplifies and it ramps up to something that's like completely unpredictable and insane. Uh, so I think that just kind of perfectly encaps, uh, encaptures um, the movie, at least my reading of it. Um, yeah. But what what are the things that stand out to you about American Beauty? Um. So something about this film, I saw it. A bunch when I was kind of younger, you know, I had Tumblr. People would take those like photo yeah. sets of shots of the film because, first of all, it's beautifully directed, Gorgeous. beautifully shot. Like, that's one thing that you can't deny. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story is something I don't really visit that often just because it's kind of like so dreary and dreadful mm-hmm. with its deconstruction because it is really accurate. And one of my biggest fears um, is just like being like 35, 40 years old and being so um, discontent with everything. Right. So, Huge fear of mine. So I don't really um, watch it too often, but I did watch it to prepare for this. Right. Um, some A scene that I, because you mentioned, obviously, um, the plates one. Mm. The other scene when um, Lester and Annette Benning, I forgot her name in the movie. Yeah. Um, but after having those, like, you know, turbulent fights throughout the film, they do finally for a second, like, almost seem to, like, reconcile a little bit. Right. Um, and they're kind of, like, on the couch. It seems like they're getting, like, closer. And then she's like, don't spill your beer on the couch or whatever. You're right. about to spill the beer on the couch. And it ruins their moment. Right. And he has this really, these really good, like, lines afterwards. He kind of says, like, it's just a couch. Like, it's just stuff. Yeah. And that's Sam Mendes literally, like, speaking to us right, on, right. with our, like, American dream, kind of like that superficiality. Right, right, Saying, right. like, how it's not everything's, like, cracked up to be, right. like, all of that. But, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I really 
think this movie uh, is uniquely cinematic, especially from somebody like Sam Mendes. This is his first feature film. Um, by the way, the year it came out, 1999, uh, the other Best Picture nominees that year were also being John Malkovich, the first feature for um, Spike Jones, um, And also, The Sixth Sense. And The Sixth Sense, yeah. which was, I think, Shyamalan's third movie, but the, really the one that broke him out to the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there were... Uh, this was, in 1999 in general, I think is one of the greatest years of Hollywood history ever. I mean, that, that year gave us also The Matrix, also a bunch of other yeah. amazing, amazing pieces of work. Um, the Phantom Menace. And uh, <laughs> I think that with American Beauty in particular, um, it kind of really locked into, like, the late 90s mindset of, like, just the boredom and the discontentment yeah. of just, nor- uh, with, like, American lifestyle. And, you know, there are... Critics now um, who kind of look back and reflect on this movie, critics and commentators who go back and reflect on this movie now and don't have as much of a favorable opinion on it. A lot of people have said how I am. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's the Juno effect, right? Like Juno, we when we first saw Juno, we all love Juno. Now we watch Juno. I still love Juno. I still love Juno. That doesn't work for me. I I still I still love Juno, but (laughs) you know that's the that's the term. You know, definitely. Um, But uh, American Beauty definitely suffers from that. I I think it is unfortunately. Uh, has this time capsule of it in and of itself where it's playing into that like late 90s feel um, that pre you know a lot of people uh, a lot of commentators a salute to Amy Nicholson I, I read a lot of uh, her breakdowns for this too kind of consider it like the pre uh, 9-11 it's the perfect example of a pre 9-11 movie right like where okay. it's, it's a point in American history where Americans weren't really worried about anything other than themselves, per se. Yeah. Um, you know, there was no threat of war. The economy was doing pretty good. Um, and there was kind of just, like, this idea of, like, what's going to happen next? Like, we're, like you know, you're about to enter into a whole new millennium. Like, what, what happens next? Is it all yeah. just going to be the same? Is it just, you know? And this is before the crazy, toxic world that we live in now where there's plenty of conflict to draw from. But the conflict here just kind of draws within the household, within the family. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the neighbors, too. And we're, we're going to talk about Wes Bentley's character and Chris Cooper's character and um, that whole relationship, too. But um, the idea of, like, this midlife crisis being the epicenter of, like, uh, this this drama um, that essentially is not really about anything else other than this dude, you know, trying to figure out his his life and his lifestyle and his family trying to navigate through yeah. his weirdness and his craziness. Um, but it's fascinating to say the least. Also worth mentioning, Alan Ball, who wrote the screenplay for this film, uh, he did a couple of TV um, um, screen or TV uh, te- teleplays. Um, before this film, but this is also his first screenplay, his first wow. official screenplay. So yeah. first time director, first screenplay. Um, I also know Comrade Hall and Sam Sam Mendes had, uh, I read online that they had a lot of arguments on set um, because, uh, you know, they were, you know, having a theater director get, getting to acclimated with uh, the idea of making something cinematic yeah. could be quite challenging. But this movie is uniquely cinematic, too, I think, with Definitely. Like the boldness of the colors and everything. Um, I have a quick question. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie um, Happiness? I don't know if I have. Because that's something that this, I would put those into like a similar vein. Like it's very, um, let me see when it came out. I know there was like a sequel a few years ago too. Yeah, I think 1998 I think it says right here. 1998. It's like that kind of like dark comedy drama type of film but it just reminds me so much of it it's another one of those like kind of like very dreary so it was funny that you mentioned that like that was this kind of stuff like you know encapsulates that like that like time that time period yeah Yeah. and um and i mean honestly i i don't i don't mind it i think it's kind of a nice way to look at what the you know the general consensus is and obviously the oscars are representing of what the of how hollywood wants to present itself and the fact that this is what is presented to us as the best of that year goes to speak a lot to the mindset of a lot of people um, and a, and a lot of a lot of a lot of people watching this movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, also just to get the cat the cat out of the bag, see what I did there. Hey. Um, people have a lot of problem with the bag scene now. You know what I mean? Like I think yeah. that that is an unfortunate case of uh, of the parody became more popular than like the actual movie yeah. itself. But I still think I, when I first saw American beauty, I thought the, the bag, the, the bag videotape was kind of profound, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you know it, I saw it on Tumblr. That's literally yeah. what I can think of. I yeah. just remember with the quotes. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, you know, um, 
sometimes it could feel a little pretentious, but I think for the time period that it came from, it was coming from a genuine place and yeah. from someone like Sam Mendes. Um, I don't know. I I don't see it as really like pretentious, and I I still enjoy it. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the parts I do still enjoy. Yeah. Um, because obviously, uh, not Kevin Spacey. Yeah. So yeah, that's one yeah. thing that didn't age well, but I think that did. Yeah, that, that did. And um, yeah. Let's talk about L- Lester Burnham just yeah. as a character, like. Um, he's kind of, he's kind of, he's really a shitty person. He's a, he's a terrible human being. Um, you know, I think this movie plays a lot with the idea I I spoke to at the beginning, the idea of like masculinity and fractured masculinity. And I think this is a real commentary on how, you know, a lot of times fractured, you know, kind of broken men look towards nostalgia as a means of, um, as a means of, revitalizing themselves yeah Uh, i think this movie plays perfectly into that uh like you know the whole idea of like him buying a sports car and quitting his job and working at a mcdonald's he wants to be and being attracted to like a underage girl it's almost like as if he's acting like a like impulsive 17 year old yeah he he wants to be a 17 yeah he's like trying to get that life back exactly exactly because uh, to him at that time period that was there was no worries there was no family to worry about no wife to worry about no nagging wife or kids um and this is really sad i think that's something that a lot of a lot of men in real life actually are dealing with in and of themselves and uh you know this movie kind of addresses how it's so easy to just kind of fall into that how dangerous this whole idea of like nostalgia and how dangerous this whole idea of like reliving your youth and the golden years can really be um because at the end and the whole idea of like him lifting weights and like trying to—it's just all smoking weed. Smoke, yeah, like yeah, taking yeah. that up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's it, it just goes to it, it, it all adds to like the whole idea of like you know. And I think this movie kind of perfectly embodies like the like old school nineteen fifties like lifestyle of living, right? Like the whole yeah. like ideal American white family, fence. white picket fence. The um, even the American Beauty roses. Right, just right, right. Just the shot of that, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. And I but you know the, the movie uh incorporates a lot of those elements and but it it provides like a satiristic like commentary mm-hmm. uh, on that as well. Definitely. Um so I think that's really what that's really what differentiates differentiates this movie to me. At least yeah. it's just the the commentary that it has on this lifestyle, and also how it affects the daughter too. Uh, mm-hmm. The daughter who's Jane, um, she is literally so bored with her life. She falls in love with <laughs> with a boring ass dude like Ricky, yeah. you know, Wes Bentley. Um, but it's kind of like exciting for her because yeah, he's like yeah. weird and he's not afraid to say what he like. I remember watching their interactions in the beginning. She almost seems like kind of like oh. Cause she's like, stop following me, and he's like, okay. Yeah. And she's like, oh, what? Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, when we're introduced to her, I believe the first time we're introduced to her, um, she's like googling like breast augmentation. Yeah, like she's yeah, and yeah. she's clearly like very like insecure and mm. like sexuality in general plays a very big role in this film with each character. Right. Um, with Lester, obviously, with um. Uh, Mina Savari's. Yeah, yeah. Mina Savari's um, character is. Jane's best friend. I'm trying to find you right now. Yeah. Um, Angela. Angela. Yeah. So with Lester and Angela and then um, with Annette Benning's character and the other real estate man and then obviously mm-hmm. with Jane and uh, Wes Bentley's character. Yeah, yeah. Even just all of that. So And even and even um, Wes Bentley's father, Colonel Fitz. Yeah, exactly. The whole idea of uh, classes of homosexuality. Yeah. Especially somebody who's in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you- with Angela um, as well, when she um, keeps bragging about like all these different like instances and then mm-hmm. we find out like in the end that it was kind of like all like a ploy. Yeah, it was all yeah. fake. Like it was all like lies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, do you think a movie like this kind of uh, heroizes those kind of like man baby characters or do you think it's something that kind of uh, holds Lester accountable to, to say at least? I believe it does throughout the film i believe it holds him accountable um because as we're watching it we're like this guy's shitty yeah. and but then towards the end like um uh, spoiler for a movie that yeah, came out, before, came out 20 years ago uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but spoiler if you haven't seen it um but obviously in the end um west bentley's dad mm-hmm. shoots him in the head and um he's kind of like picking he's at looking at a picture of his family at the time yeah um and i think towards the end i remember the first time i saw it i was kind of like oh 
because he just admitted he's like I'm actually doing really well mm. I was like oh maybe you know maybe he's like learned from all this and this is just kind of like that whole midlife that phase, crisis thing yeah. but throughout the film I think it holds him accountable then at yeah. the end maybe you're rooting for him for like a half a second but then his story's over but in yeah. the beginning it does say that like in a year I'll be dead so we yeah. know we know what's gonna happen but mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but I didn't know it was gonna be so abruptly like that um yeah. and kind of in that instance what about you um, yeah, I think I think it, I think it holds him accountable. I think you know I think the fact that he it, it goes back and forth, right? Like he does get held accountable, and the fact that like he 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 does have like these uh, tumultuous relationships with his family. And, yeah, um, it obviously affects everybody in this family definitely negatively but it's in some aspects positive positively too I, at least we see like uh at least we see jane's character finding something that you know finding some contentment in her life yeah. um you know at least like at least like and you know this is what this is what kind of like makes me feel weird about this whole redemption thing right like mm-hmm. i don't like that the fact that him not sleeping with an underage girl is like a redeeming like, piece of like yeah yeah good for you yeah not being a pervert um, so it for for that for that that's why yeah. I asked that question because I'm like is it really like yeah no I didn't get it from that I got yeah. it from more yeah because in that I don't we're not applauding him for not sleeping with an underage girl yeah, um, yeah. for me it was more the fact that we're seeing this journey and it does change the family. Mm-hmm. possibly for the better. Um, yeah, yeah, with, yeah. like, Jane, and then even with Annette Benning's character kind of getting this, like, confidence with, like, the gun at the end, which is not a good thing to do. I'm not yeah, condoning yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but, she, you know, she even seems revitalized. There's the scene where he's in the car and he's blasting music. He's working right. out and he's blasting music. He's singing along. Huh. And then we have that scene with her. She's doing the same thing mm-hmm. once she's starting to get her stuff together with the real estate man and kind of, like, mm-hmm. feeling like she's on top of the world. Right. So they all do have those progressions. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because of what he started, which I'm I'm thinking I believe so. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and lastly, um, in terms of Annette Bedding's character, she obviously was nominated for this movie too. Um, do you think she uh, was a good like representation of like a, a, a I guess quote unquote housewife or work wife? Oh yeah. Or what you know, however that that goes. Do you think it was too much or you think it was like the right amount that she was going for? Um, well, I think this is, as I said before, kind of an exaggerated version of the American dream. Obviously yeah. it's not taken to this extent, um, but it, it really does show with um, her character and like how hardworking she is and things like that. And she always wants to be on top, but she's not getting there and she's mm-hmm. not like happy. Mm-hmm. But then they keep using that um, like phrase throughout the film with like what you present on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's so superficial like she yeah. is incredibly, incredibly superficial. Mentioning the couch scene, mentioning um, when they go to the party, like the real yeah. estate party, and she's like, just act normal, yeah, whatever. But doesn't actually put effort in at home to yeah. maybe figure out how to they can actually be normal, right. maybe. Or the the scene I think about too is like when she's getting ready for the open house, and then like she closes all yes. the blinds and she starts breaking down and crying. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so it's it's one of those things, like as I said before, where um it shows that it's not everything like behind the scenes is what it's cracked up to be on the outside. Just cause something looks beautiful yeah. doesn't mean it actually is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it kind of holds a mirror to maybe society like at that point in time. Yes. Um, yeah. With all of that. So absolutely. Yeah. So uh, yeah. American beauty. Uh, I enjoy still. I, I think it's a great film. I think a lot of people do enjoy it, uh, but it, Looking back on it on hindsight, a lot of people, you know, it's it's weird. Yeah. It's a weird film, to say the least. Yeah, I just don't really visit it too much just because of what I said. It's dreary, but I do yeah. think it's a beautifully made film. Like, there's no doubt about that. The performances are great. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, next on um, uh, Mr. Sam Mendy's um, filmography is Road to Perdition. It, it actually follows the story of, like, this mob enforcer's son. They they kind of go on a run together and evading like the the head mob guy who's played by Tom Hanks. So this, for one, this this is significant I think because for one, it's based on a graphic novel. Um, you know, so it's like kind of a comic book movie, but you know, yeah. not really no superheroes. Yeah, no, um, I've never seen this one, so I'm I'm happy to hear you talk about yeah, it. Yeah, okay, thank, yeah, okay, cool, thank you. I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time either, so I'm not gonna have like the most accurate plot details. Yeah. Um, but I'll just I'll go. Yeah, by I'm what excited I, to hear what you think. The though, notable, you know? yeah, the noble yeah. stuff. Uh, Tom Hanks is a bad guy. He plays. Uh, yeah, yeah, he plays it's one of the, one of the mob guys. You know, um, and it really, um, 
it's a highly stylized movie. Uh, it kind of the fact that it's based on the graphic novel, you can clearly tell it has like those black and white, like a starch black and white high contrast kind of look and feel to it. Um, kind of akin to like uh, uh, Sin City almost. But okay. Sin City's way more stylized and way more you know okay. colorful and and or I guess it's in black and white, but way more starch. But this movie. Yeah. It has that softer kind of Sam Mendes touch. Uh, again, collaborating with Con- with Conrad Hall um, for the cinematography for this movie, and I think they even might have won an Oscar um, for cinematography for this film too. Um, yeah, the the performances are great. Um, the score by uh, um, the, we didn't talk about the score in American Beauty, but the score in American oh, Beauty yeah. is uh, the score in American Beauty is also done by Thomas Newman, who does the score for this. Um, beautiful score um, in American Beauty and in this movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think more than anything, though, this is uh, kind of a quintessential just crime gangster movie, you know, kind of going back to that uh, homage in that genre of like the 1930s and 40s yeah. uh, old school gangster flicks, um, but adding a more humanistic perspective, right? Putting a kid at the center of this drama gives it that extra bit of weight to it. Um, gives it that extra bit of like naivety and this exposure to that kind of lifestyle that what what ultimately ends up um, leading into like a, a revenge story. Um, so yeah, it's to me this is honestly uh, one of Sam Mendes' uh, most underrated films. Um, I think he he deals with a lot of um, ideas when it comes. You know, when when we're talking about old school gangsters, a lot of that kind of grew out of the rise of like prohibition and stuff like that. So it kind of it kind of again speaks to the American dream thing and the fact that like the criminal seedy underbelly uh, of American history um, was driven by this uh, idea that of advancement and going to the top and moving forward. Um, so uh, I think this movie does deals with that uh, really really well. Yeah. Um, highly stylized, like I said, and um, very visually beautiful. So I'd recommend anybody who hasn't checked out Road to Perdition. This is definitely one that you would have to check yeah, out. Yeah, no, sure. I'll I'll check it out. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So there, you know, deeper themes and meanings. You know, there's it's 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 a crime movie. It's a gangster movie. It deals with, like I said, uh, money, crime, uh, the the causes and the reasonality and the violence uh, behind a lot of these things. A lot of uh, behind a lot of early mob ish type 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 of films. Um, but it deals with that pretty. It deals with all of those topics pretty well, I think. So, uh, I again highly recommend checking it out. Cool. So, yeah. Next one, Mr. Sam Indy's filmography, Jarhead, uh, which I have also not seen. You've also not seen. <laughs> um, that's totally cool though, because I love Jarhead. Yeah, I'll just sit back. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen me, to you. Yeah, let's 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 talk about Jarhead, because I had a big Jake Gyllenhaal kick for for a while. I had, Don't we all? Yeah, I, we we all love Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Like, um, I. I, you know, obviously, um, Donnie Darko was a really cool movie, so I was yeah. like, let me just go ahead and, like, see what else this guy's done, right? Um, now, this movie is a w- very weird war film. Like, it is it, essentially n- nobody really gets there, – there are, like, action scenes and stuff like that, um, but it's not really about the war. It's really about waiting around during war, you know? It's, it's, uh, the – um, main character Jake Gyllenhaal's character uh, Anthony, um, he is kind of dealing with this uh, this kind of psychological journey of like trying to figure out what exactly his purpose is, right? Like what is he meant to do? Like he he goes off and um, to become this marine sniper who who uh, who is excited about action. He really wants to be in the action, um, but. He doesn't really have like he doesn't really have like a life at home that he's satisfied with. Um, so the reason he keeps going back and keeps being deployed is just simply because he doesn't like his home situation. Yeah, essentially, and we learn that a lot through like the the end of the film. Um, but um, he's a he's a sniper during the Gulf War. Um, obviously, I think that's early '90s or yeah, whenever the Gulf War was, um, and. The majority of this film is just him at the combat base, just waiting, you know, waiting to be waiting to be sent out to action. Him, you know, him and, and Jamie Foxx's character is like one of the sergeants. Um, it's, it's the idea of like the the amount of the amount of patience that's required for being 
um, for one, a military guy, and for two, a sniper. Because there's a key moment yeah. at the end of the film where he literally wants to, he is sent out on a mission. He's gone to deploy that mission, and he's waiting on the clearance to make the shot. Yeah. And um, Well, and, I feel like really fast. Um, yeah. I feel like that patience is something we don't really see that often. I'm trying to think of like another kind of like military like war film yeah. that kind of has that because usually it's like fast, fast, quick, go. Mm-hmm. So that, mm-hmm. that is cool. That sounds really like kind of like refreshing for a film like that. Yeah, and I think what I think what really like makes it stand out um, with 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 that kind of patience and like eeriness. I mean, there's literally a scene where you see all of the soldiers just like huddled around in a circle watching lizards fight each other because that's literally all they have to do. Oh, wow. um, but it's uh, it it also plays a lot with the idea of like you know in the face of in the face of this in the face of this journey in the face of fighting at war what's the actual cost because we yeah. we see uh we see these lavish like not lavish per se but like these big military bases and all of these soldiers being deployed and for a, a large part of the movie they're just kind of walking around with these burning um oil oil wells kind of going up behind them um at, at points throughout the movie um so it, it's kind of just like and at least in my interpretation it just uh, the whole story and the whole visual aesthetic of this film is just speaking to the fact that like war is really nothing but burning oil, but burning, but going to collect assets for whatever whatever I guess governments at interest, and uh, and it doesn't really have a positive effect on the people you're actually yeah. sending. Um, so it really plays with that. Um, there's a scene at the end of the movie too where he's he wants to. Um, he wants to take he wants to take a pivotal shot, but uh, and he's really excited to do that. But he is, but the his commanding officer doesn't want to give him that opportunity. So he flips out and just has like this great scene, you know, where he's he's kind of flipping out like I, I only came here to do one thing and you're not letting me do that thing. Um, so it's really really it really really speaks to a lot of those kind of deeper darker themes of like war and like the psychological effect yeah. that it could have on somebody. So I dig it. I love I love this movie. Jake Gyllenhaal as always yeah. kills it. So. I love it. Speaking of Jake Gyllenhaal, did you see him in the John Mulaney um, recent special that just came out? I think it came out around Christmas time. Oh, no, I missed it. So no, good. No, Wacky. Really. Yeah. I loved it. I never knew how much I needed John Mulaney and Jake Gyllenhaal together. Anyways. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> no, it's really, no, I, I love I love Jake Gyllenhaal. So yeah, I got to check that out. Great. Um, next on Sam and filmography is Revolutionary Road. Um so briefly, this one, this one kind of approaches a lot of the same themes as American Beauty, um, whereas I kind of alluded to before, where American Beauty kind of um, embodies like that 1950s, like oh, traditional American household and family and white picket fence. Yeah. Um, this movie, quite revolutionary role, is quite literally about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about Leonardo DiCaprio's character and Kate Winslet's character dealing with a 20 plus odd year span of marriage and how they're going to reconcile with that and what does it mean to be a husband what does it mean to be a wife and what is you know uh especially during those time periods um where there is this kind of like expectation for um marriage and relationships so it really deals with a lot of those topics really well um, are you familiar with this movie? Like, I don't know. I've seen it. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it like forever ago, but I barely remember it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think that if anything, this movie just goes to show the the, the acting force of Kate Winslet and, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, they have amazing chemistry. Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like they are two people. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that one out just because I do love their chemistry together and I love Kate Winslet. Yeah, no, and um, this movie ended up winning like so many awards and got no- so many nominations. And um, obviously, Kate Winslet, Leo reunited from Titanic. It's funny. I was actually on set. <laughs> I was on set, and uh, I think I'll tell you this story off, off air. But I was on set, and somebody was like, hey, yo, what's that one movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet? I was like, oh, Revolutionary Road. And then, and then yeah, and, and like, no, clearly the most obvious answer, the biggest yeah. movie of all time, Titanic. Titanic. Yeah, no, but um, but it, it, it really goes to show. And I think at the time, Kate Winslet was actually uh, dating Sam Mendes. Uh, they the were married, yeah. right? Ma- or married? Yeah, I think they probably were married. I think during they might have been married. Yeah. That's so funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Huh. Um, so yeah, dealing with that, it it it's a really uh, you know it really deals again with the themes that Sam Mendes is 
um, known and prominent for. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. I just found out they were married from 2003 to 2011. So oh, yeah, really? during, hey, there it during is. that time. Yep, there it is. Um, okay, so I really don't have anything else to say about the uh, Revolutionary Road. I mean, I recommend you check it out. It, again, it deals with themes of, like, advancing. Also, those are themes of advancing technology, too. By the end of it, um, our main character, Leonardo DiCaprio, ends up, like, working at a computer store. Mm-hmm. So it really goes to show you, like, from the beginning of their um, relationship in, like, the late 40s to, like, ending up in, like, the 70s. and Or I think it might be the 80s. I'm not sure. Um, but with that whole span and that lifestyle, um Breeze is, is is really incredible. Do you, um, in your opinion, do you think it's one of the better of his filmography? Um, I, I I think this plays more into like the theater aspect of, of yeah. his filmography for sure. Um, I think mostly because it's very actor centric. Yeah. Um, and I'm not not to say it's like not cinematic because it is very cinematic. Um, but it has a you know it 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 is more about the performances and 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 all and that side of it. Um, which I can appreciate and respect a whole lot. Yeah. I the reason I' familiar with this movie actually is because this is really one of the first Oscar movies I ever was like, oh, I gotta like, I, I actually kind of want to check this out. Weirdly enough, uh, because you know, as a 2008 when I was uh, like 10 or 11, no, I had to be 12. Um, and watching this movie come up on screen at like the Oscar ceremony, I was like, what is this? This seems like really weird and quiet and not and grown up grown up mm-hmm. was the was the word so this was like one of my first grown up movies so i remember um, doing the same thing watching the oscars when i was yeah, younger yeah, i'm yeah. like huh okay i'm like writing a list yeah, to go to yeah, blockbuster yeah. or whatever was happening at that time yeah yeah, yeah, but yeah exactly that's funny yeah um so anyway yeah uh that's uh what we've got so far now when we get back from the break we're going to break down away we go skyfall specter and a review of 1917 so be sure to check that out, y'all. This ain't funny, so don't you dare laugh. With the four fifth divide you in half. You getting at me equals a club half. You do the math, take you out the equation. The following is from our Golden Globe reaction video. Check it out. Listen, bruh, this is Tarantino's worst movie. Let's get that. Let's get. Let's just. Let's just say it because yeah. I'm gonna say it. And this, you, you're talking to the guy. I've I had a whole class on Tarantino. I've talked about Tarantino extensively on this podcast and plenty of other podcasts. I wouldn't consider myself a Tarantino fanboy because I could equally shit on him for a lot of the things he does outside of his movies and a lot of things that are done inside of his movies too. Uh, but that being said, let's have a real conversation about this movie for a second. This is not. This is not a best picture movie. No, it's not. It's not. Out of the best comedy and musical category, what was the other nominees? Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, Rocket Man, and Dolomite. Okay, so you're literally Every ta- single one is better. You're literally talking about yeah. literally the most that category. This this category is better because the comedy and musical category is always like the shit where they just throw like whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. This is probably the most that that category has been in a long time. And, you know, I think once Upon a Time in Hollywood definitely has the most buzz out of those movies. Yeah. Uh, you know, it definitely, mm-hmm. even before going into the season, for sure. Also, had the most buzz. come along, children. Now we're going to have a little music. All right, y'all. Welcome back to uh, this episode of Meaning of Podcast. We are continuing our breakdown of the Sam Mendes filmography. Um, yep. I think we're doing a pretty decent job so far. I always, I'm always yeah. curious, like, if the directors are ever going to watch the show, how do you think we're going to do? Oh, yeah. Um, Oscar winner Sam Mendes. No, yeah, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> totally watching. He's sitting down. Um, hey. <laughs> I'd really hate for M. Night Shyamalan to watch our episode because, like, we spend a, a, full, a cool 30 minutes before... This, yeah. The show even starts, like, not even talking about him. So, um, Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. I thought you were going to say you were going in on him or anything, like his filmography. Oh, we did that, too. No, that I too. wish I would have been there. <laughs> M. Night, if you're watching, I would have defended you. So that's just me, though. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't think it was as much shitting as, it, as much as it was, like, skip, 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 skip. Oh, God. Well, okay, that's understandable for yeah. a few. Very hit or miss. Yeah. But um, to continue, I am going to be talking about Away We Go. Yeah. Um, so Away We Go stars a couple played by John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph, obviously directed by Sam Mendes, mm. and they're soon to be parents. And um, it definitely goes into that similar vein that we've been talking about right. with American family and American life. Mm-hmm. Um, it explores a bunch of themes with that breaking down of family and life. Exactly. Um, 
both characters kind of have like a shitty family situation to begin with, like their own families apart right. from each other. Um, John Krasinski plays Bert and Bert's parents decide to move out of the country a month before their grandchild's being born Mm -hmm. and just leave to Germany for like years or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then um, Maya Rudolph plays Verona and her parents are both um, deceased. And these certain aspects kind of affect their relationship as well. We find out with some specific things later on, like Bert um, proposing to Verona and she keeps saying no but the reason why is because um, her parents wouldn't be able to attend the wedding Oh wow! because they're deceased mm-hmm. um, but yeah relationships in American culture um, throughout this film it's kind of like a road a road trip movie Okay. Um, not so much road more mm-hmm. trip right, <laughs> um, right, right. more destination but um, throughout this film they visit a bunch of people from their past um, they visit like old bosses, college friends, cousins, um, and we get a snapshot of each person that they visit's life. Mm-hmm. So they visit like a cousin and that cousin's getting a divorce. They visit like the bosses and the bosses and their children have like a very weird relationship. So they decide to leave and go visit somebody else. Right. Um, so yeah, and also Allison Janney is also in this and yeah. I know she's in American Beauty. So, yeah, American yeah Beauty. so. I was gonna say John Krasinski is also in, um, in Jarhead. Oh, yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, yeah. So he gets those gets those people coming back. Yeah. But then, as I said before, there's that sense of, like, desperation and discontentment. They yeah. kind of feel, like, unfulfilled. And two sentences, like, two lines I took from the film that were very, like, just, um, it's nothing, like, profound. But it's, right. th- like, they'd be laying in bed and they ask each other, they're like, are we are we fuck ups Mm -hmm. and they're like um like what are we gonna do because she's pregnant they're Mm -hmm. going to be having a child and they still don't feel like they're ready for it right because it does happen unexpectedly they weren't planning on it Mm -hmm. uh we get that from the opening shot or Mm -hmm. the opening scene which is really funny yeah it's really funny Mm -hmm. um but yeah but they're constantly questioning the future and kind of like giving into their own Mm self-doubt not super confident um but the difference between something because you talked about like toxic masculinity and things like that None of that in here. John Krasinski is an amazing character. Oh, He's like the sweet. comedic relief. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's like very, very sweet. Um, they're both they're both characters are really great. You don't look at them and you're like, oh, these are like shitty people. Mm-hmm. You know, you're rooting for them even though they have their own self doubt. Right. Um, yeah, and it explores these kind of themes in a real and like charming way mm-hmm. versus something like American Beauty. So it's it's interesting to see how they have similar themes right. handled completely differently. Right. Um they're yeah, cuz obviously these themes are present in a lot of his other work, but yeah. but this is a more sincere charming way of doing it. So mm-hmm. I would I would recommend checking it out. Um I think it's a cute little film, you know, it ends sweet. So um, something like American Beauty or things like that, like, you know, with their endings. But this one is definitely it wraps it up and you kind of feel good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So even though it has these drearier themes, because I mentioned with American Beauty that um, the reason why I avoid it is because it is like dreadful. Right. And all of those, it does the same exact thing, but has such a different outcome. So, yeah. yeah. So I enjoyed it. And that's honestly, like, good to hear because, you know, um, you need, like, a lighter side to your, like, filmography. Definitely. Um, And um, I I did have a question, though, in regards to where we go. Like, do you, you know, obviously, like, we're talking about American beauty and, like, the themes of, like, Americanism. Do you think there's a uniquely, like, American thing about this movie or do you think it's more... Like a a more general, like, I think more it's human thing. I think it's not more like American Dream white picket fence the way American Beauty is, mm-hmm. but it is interesting that when they do travel because they visit so many they visit like I think like three or four people, um, yeah. three or four different families, and they're seeing that you get snapshots of realistic American families without that white picket fence. Oh, like okay. they literally go and like his brothers getting divorced and he's like mm-hmm. super upset or like he visits his I I think that's the right example but mm-hmm. then he visits somebody else and they can't have children but they have like five to, five adopted children. Okay. So um it's not cynical. It, yeah, way. it's not cynical, it's just realistic. Mm-hmm. So it's exploring these themes in yeah, a, a different way than American Beauty does. Yeah, and nice. in a way that I I really really enjoyed when I watched it because um because with those kind of like sense of like discontentment and like unfulfilled life, they're not unhappy. 
Right. They're more nervous. Right. Yeah. They're exactly. they're more nervous for what's to come because they weren't expecting this child. So it's mm. cool how they kind of navigate through all of that, and it ends in a good way. Yeah. No. I 100 percent agree. And um, why well, I, I don't agree because I haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> but I, I I think it's interesting. And speaking on the fact that it's a road movie, it also goes to say that Road to Perdition is also a road movie. Um, you know, revolutionary road, not necessarily a road yeah. per se, but road. Um, and um, also, Jar has kind of a, a travel movie. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just traveling through war, but yeah. still traveling. So it's kind of fascinating. That, and obviously, 1917 is all about traveling from one spot to another. Yeah. So it's interesting that that sense of momentum is a constant thing through yeah. Sam, Mendes, uh, Sam Mendes' filmography. Yeah, it's cool to kind of like notice this stuff as you reflect on it as mm-hmm. a whole, something that you might not see right away. But then we're like, oh. Also, like, Allison Janney's in this, and then this actor's in that as well. So yeah, it's a cool yeah. thing to kind of, like, look on. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so away we go. Uh, do you recommend it to people? Have yeah, I do. It? I really enjoyed it. If yeah. you kind of like smaller, more, like, charming films, which I am a sucker for, um, yeah. I don't think it's, like, the greatest thing he's ever done, but I do think it's something that's kind of refreshing compared to the more cynical Right. Aspects of the other films. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um yeah, so I guess we're moving on to Skyfall. Yeah. Um now Skyfall is the twenty third James Bond movie. Oh, I need to check that to sure. <laughs> um but um I up front, I'm a big James Bond fan. Um yeah. and I mean I'm a real James Bond fan as in I watched like all twenty three of them. Um yeah. or twenty four now with Spectre. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. no no applause That's, needed. No applause needed. Whew, it actually is a lot. The work. No, it is a lot because <laughs> only like a third of them are actually really good. Yeah. Um and the other ones are just like, oh my God. Um but this is um this is Daniel Craig's third time playing the part of James Bond. Um this to me is my personal favorite James Bond movie. Uh, because to me it's the perfect mix of like modern action, gorgeous cinematography. This is the most beautiful James Bond movie, hands down, no doubt. Um, Roger Deakins was the DP behind this. He also uh, DP'd... Um, 1917. 1917 and Jarhead as well. Um, so, yeah, the, it, very beautiful film. Um, yeah. uh, also one of the ones that was shot on the uh, Ari Alexa cameras too. So this is one of the early digital explorations that uh, Roger Deakins was having too. And you could totally tell that on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, just how bold and explosive this movie is from like a, a cinematography perspective. Um, but... Also, it's the perfect mixture of, like, the old-school classic James Bond, too. Like, you see him get that classic car back. He's wearing the suits nice and tight. Like, everything about this movie. As a great bad guy, Harvey M. Bardem is probably the best Bond villain we've had in, like, a super long time. Um, So I really, really love Skyfall. Um, Like I said, my favorite James Bond movie. Best James Bond song, too, maybe of all time. The Adele? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, really. It'll be be tough for me with that one. It'll go to probably Goldfinger, you know, too, from like the 60s. But this this one. Yeah, you're a James Bond fan. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I know the Skyfall song. Yeah, you've definitely heard Goldfinger. I know that for sure. Because that was was a radio hit. Um, But yeah, the Adele one, the Adele one, mind blowing. Yeah. So good. Um, We even won the Oscar for best song that year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Wow. Um, Well, well deserved. And. yeah, so you know, have you have you seen Skyfall? Or? I've seen all of oh not okay not all of the James Bonds, uh-huh. all of the Daniel Craig ones um, so far, and then also a few Pierce Brosnan because my dad really likes it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but honestly, I barely paid attention. I think yeah. I definitely need to like dive into that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I also dated somebody who made me watch uh, Casino Royale. Oh, really? I remember yeah. that. Um, yeah. So I like all of them, but I don't remember them. I don't yeah. know why. I'm like a huge Mission Impossible fan and like things like that. So I, not comparing the two, right. but I do think like it's something that I would um, be interested in if I actually gave it a chance, right, which right. I never really did before. It was kind of like white noise like background i'm like on my phone not paying attention so right right right, yeah. right. um i think um i think what makes skyfall stands out too is the sam the sam in these touches it is kind of, it does kind of make bond less about the action and more about the person the character yeah you, you know a lot of times especially when we're talking about in today's era and i always mention this a lot on the podcast the idea of like metamodernism right like what is mm-hmm. metamodernism and the idea of like how how meta uh, something can be in the context of like a franchise or just representing anything in Hollywood, right? And we live in that era. And I think Skyfall kind of embodies that too because this is the first movie where we're kind of tapping into the origin story of James Bond. Like he go, you know, we go to see like his family home. We see like 
he had a family and has parents and stuff like that. And the other James Bond movies, they don't really touch on that. It's more of just like the solo man, the spy man, yeah. whatever. Um, but this movie he is actually about something. It's actually about going home. It's also about aging, too. Like yeah. This movie plays big on aging. Daniel Craig was 43 when he played um, this part in this movie for Skyfall. And um, a, a lot of this movie incorporates the idea of like him having a, a, a fucked up knee or uh, uh, being old just in general and building yourself back up to being the James Bond yeah. that he once were. Um, so the set, that's definitely the Sam Mindy's touch as compared to um, you know, Casino Royale was more of like a straight up action thriller movie, and then so was Quantum of Solace. But this movie actually added a little more weight mm-hmm. and added a lot of mythology to the James Bond character as well. Dang, so okay. um, I, I really, I really appreciate what this what this movie did too. Um, also, um, the return of uh, Dame Judi, uh, the return of Jane, Dame Judi Dench uh, in this movie as M is also really cool too. I mean, she was in Casino Royale as well, but she's actually the only. I think she's the only character. And a James and James Bond, where she was in the Pierce Brosnan ones, and in and in this, so like okay. it's, it's cool seeing that return too. And then um, in Cats, and in Cats too, in Cats. <laughs> so uh, only yeah. actor to do that as well. Hey, what can you do? I mean, it's Cats, <laughs> you know. Um, and yeah, Javier Bardem as the main bad guy. I forget the guy's name. Um, um, Salva. He one of the best Bond villains, hands down, no questions. Uh, that is is funny but it's menacing um he's doing like a uh heath ledger james heath ledger joker kind of performance okay too, but not as like extreme but okay. he's, he's he, he plays that like same kind of twisted thing yeah um and honestly you know and i'm gonna say this this might be like a slight bit of a hot take i don't consider it a hot take um but if you break down this movie plot point by plot point it does take beat from beat like the same exact cues as like the Dark Knight, like almost beat for beat. Um, there's a, there's moments where he goes to Shanghai in the same kind of fashion that Batman goes to China in that movie to explore this mission. And then we have Javier Bardem as like the Joker-esque character who um, intentionally gets himself caught only to free himself. So then he has this bigger play at huh. hand. So yeah, it does. It, this I mean, makes me want to watch it more. Yeah, you should. You yeah. should. I, I, I recommend it. And that's not a slight on this movie. Cause yeah, I know, because you love it. You're I singing it. its praises. Yeah, so. I, I love this movie. And I think if you're going to do a, a Dark Knight, James Bond movie, this is the one to do it. And I think they yeah. did a really good job with it. Um, and it kind of does have that, like, realistic element of, like, action in and of itself, too. So, yeah, so much good about this movie. I really love this movie. Ralph Fiennes as, uh, as uh, one of the head um, British, you know, Government, parliament, dudes, or whatever. I don't know what they're called. Yeah. Um, all of it is just really, really great. I'm a big fan of this movie. So Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, there's Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> um, Spectre is the second James Bond movie that uh, that uh, Sam Mendes uh, did. And that one I'm not as big of a fan of, personally. Um, I think it was a little bit of a waste of potential. Um, they were reintroducing uh, Blofeld into the equation. Blofeld is like this iconic um, Bond villain going way back to like the uh, to, to, to the Sean Connery days. Um, so I was kind of excited to see that, especially when you tell me that Christoph Waltz is supposed to be playing that part. Um, it just it didn't really it didn't really do it for me. Um, there, I think this is one of the most expensive movies ever made too. And yeah, ever made? Yeah, I think the budget's like almost three hundred million dollars on this movie, if I'm not what? mistaken. Um, and you can see, I mean, you could for sure see the money on screen. There's literally a moment, and I would never understand on God's holy earth why they did this. There's a there's an entire like damn near. Like uh, uh uh how you call those like energy energy pl- you know how big like an energy plant is right like okay a, you know um like a, or a solar plant or something like that uh-huh. um there's a, a set piece that's set there and then the entire thing blows up. Let's go. And they filmed that practically. I'm talking about like literally, like. Do they I, just want to burn money? It, it, it literally is burning money. And and oh my, literally way, burning money. Yeah, yeah. And, and and by the way, they did it all in like this one like long shot. So you see, like actually, like James Bond turn around, and he looks back, and the whole thing's like exploding. It's kind of epic. But then you watch the behind the scenes, and they're like, "Yeah, we really did this." I'm like, "This is a three hundred million dollar movie." That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Gosh. But uh, but I I want to you know I I still uh. 
it's bold, you know what I mean? It's bold to spend that kind of money, but I don't I don't think the story <laughs> the story was the story wasn't as bold for me. Um yeah. and yeah, I I don't, you know, I think eventually sometime down the line me and Ace and obviously you will do like a um a meaning of you know Daniel Craig's James Bond. I, at least I, I have to ask. Well, Ace I about mean, that. yeah, the, yeah. New one, the new one's coming. The new one's coming. I'm excited for this one. So yeah. I planned on checking out the other um, Daniel Craig ones again. Yeah, before this for one. this one in yeah. preparation. So yeah. yeah, I'll do that before we also talk about it. If Ace is okay with it. Yeah, yeah, if Ace is okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> we're asking via, agree. Via, the, via the audience. Ace, if you're watching in Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think we'll. I think uh, that would be actually a great way to kind of explore like the the differences and shifts from when 2006 from when it started to now uh, because down craig i think is if not the longest running the second longest uh running james bond that we've ever had so yeah i yeah. i heard about that is casino royale the second one of his this is first yeah it's the yeah. first one okay yeah, casino royale is first quantum of solace skyfall spectrum all right Got the James Bond expert. Yeah, I don't know about expert. You're about to be the only one talking. Actually, no, Ace (laughs) loves James Bond too. He loves. Oh, he loves Craig. So I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be sitting back, and you guys are just gonna go back and forth. Yeah, nah, nah. I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure when you watch, you know, Craig's movies, you're gonna love them too. Um, So yeah, finally, last but not least, we are here at the 1917 review. We literally just saw it right before. Just walked out. So mine is basically an initial review because I we got out of it like an hour ago. Yeah, yeah. This was your second time watching it, so you had a little bit more time to like sit on it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, So are you asking me what I think about it? Yes, I'm. I want to start with you. (laughs) You want to start with me? Okay. Yeah. So let me just say this. I think it's a great movie. I think it's a brilliantly made movie. Uh, The style, the cinematography, the editing—well, not really as much editing, Um, (laughs) but the the pacing. I guess in this case. Pacing is a better term for it. Um, the uh, the magnitude, the scale of this movie is breathtaking. Yeah. Um, the production design, obviously. Um, did I say the cinematography already? Because I'm gonna I'm say possibly, it again. but you know, yeah, cinematography. Yeah, yeah. Let's Roger Deakins, to the second man. power. Roger Deakins just absolutely smoking it out there. Yeah. Um, I think as a technical movie, it's it's a blast. And it's, it's a thrill ride, and might be a best picture of the year. Um, I the first time I saw it, I respected the filmmaking of it and respected what the movie was doing. Yeah. I was, you know, the typical RB3 hater brain went right to, uh, <laughs> you know, you know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Uh, the typical RB3 hater brain went right to uh, this one take shit, right? Like, and yeah. the only reason why is because like I went, I, I love one takes and Ace will know, like Ace literally watched me break down a hundred one takes on this, on this podcast before. Um, and so I, Love the idea of a one take. I love what one takes do and what you know what they're supposed to represent. Um, and I love Birdman um, too. So my my only thing with with seeing this the first time was only thing I could think is oh that shots from Children of Men. Oh that shots from um, this other movie or or, or, or um, London is Fallen. Like London is Fallen has a one take too. What? Surprisingly enough, yeah. Um, so there's there's a couple of times I'm like that's from that that's from that that's from that that's from that and. I guess the first time I saw it, that just distracted me too much from like actually enjoying the film. But upon seeing it the second time, um, I really cared less about what was influencing this or what kind of thing this derived from and just really engaging in the story. And the story is actually really engaging and personal and, and honest. So I, I really respect the heck out of this movie. Yeah, especially. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm going to say I really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, I told you like right when it ended, I was like speechless just because I felt so much. Yes. Throughout the entire thing, oh my god, you literally kept laughing at me because yeah, I was like, yeah. I was like shaking. I was like, yeah. oh my god. Um, so I really loved it. It it really moved me in a lot of ways because it is incredibly genuine and sincere and heartfelt, and especially you can feel that because it is to Sam Mendes. Right. This type of story at the end, it's dedicated to I believe his grandfather. Yes, his grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can tell how sincere he is with the story. And I feel like he was the kind of person who was made to helm something like this. Absolutely. Um, oh, my gosh. The two main actors. Let me. Yeah, I believe they're Dan- um, Dean Charles uh, Chapman, who played um, Lance. Um, uh, uh, Lance uh, uh, he played Blake. Um, and the other one was George McKay or George McKay. Who played the main character, um, Sophia, I think is the name? Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they, those, those two. they did incredible. They yeah. did so incredible. Um, even just watching, gosh, with those. See, I was the opposite mm-hmm. of you with something like that. But mm-hmm. of course, like you have an editor's brain. You have like that stuff that you pay attention to so much and mm-hmm. like shots and things like that. And of course I do as well. But yeah. like, but you're really on that. And yeah. um, I don't know. I kind of felt like for the story, since it's focused on two these two men, mm. um, obviously no spoilers. So yeah. um, I'm going to be pretty vague with this, but yeah. um, focusing on their journey together. Yes. I feel like something like this is really beneficial, mm. like uh, kind of doing those like long takes where the whole entire film looks like it's one shot because um, we're following them in this very real, this very genuine like um, journey that they're going on. It's um, hard to watch. It's very tense and scary at times because that's how it was in that situation in real life back in 1917 exactly you know and so dirty gritty yeah yeah and some of the blocking that um some of like the the blocking on in the shots was so stunning Mm. there's literally like um one scene that i literally just want to blow that up and um give it to my grandpa for him to hang up i know he would just love it Mm. um so yeah, that I you know I thought it was really spectacular. I think I think he deserves a lot of the um, buzz he's getting right now. You know, yeah. Um, this kind of obviously it doesn't release wide until this weekend, mm-hmm. so there hasn't been as much buzz besides like the film community already. Right. Um, but I know like my uncle really wants to go see it, and so I'm excited for the general public to be able to witness something like this because I do think it's something very refreshing, different. Um, take on a war film. Yeah. You know? Yeah, this is the first war movie we've ever seen done in this style. I mean, obviously, um, Birdman is more of a contained movie. It's more yeah. of like inside of a theater. Definitely. And it, you know, is, is, and mostly interiors. This movie's mostly exteriors, and they found a lot of creative ways to add variety to the one yeah. take thing. Because it, it could have been very easy for it just to be a camera that's like lingering behind these two guys the entire yeah, time or in front of these two guys the entire mm-hmm. time. Um, but they actually find creative ways to get different compositions in there. Yeah. They find, again, pacing is a big a big part of it too. Like I, I never felt bored during this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the scenes that are a little more quieter, you still feel yeah. like the energy and momentum um, carrying Definitely. through. Um, everything on the technical level, like I said, is just absolutely brilliant. I'm excited to see this movie win best cinematography and best visual effects. There are some great effects in this too. Yeah. Um, quiet effects that I think most people won't even catch on to. Um, I, s- I saw a picture on Twitter and I don't know if you're able to like mm-hmm. um, put something on the screen yeah, right sure. now but I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh, it is um, a before and after with like the color grading or oh, something. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh my god it is stunning. It is so stunning so seeing that kind of like brought to life on screen actually. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think I think Company Blown 3 Company three was the company that did the color, color correction on okay. this coloring and they also did a lot of movies this year like joker and and a few others that like Mm -hmm. are brilliant um and they i I mean listen i'm selfish because i'm an editor and cinematography guy but if they should add a color a colorist award to the oscars honestly because like these movies are looking better and better every single every single year so it it really is so insane how gorgeous it is i i follow um accounts on twitter and instagram that's like cinema palettes oh yeah and it's just Mm -hmm. shots and just showing the palette and oh my gosh i love it so much so i'm looking forward to seeing this one on something like that because yeah. it's beautiful <laughs> absolutely um so yeah i'd highly recommend checking out Definitely. 1917 i would also i, I want to throw a quick shout out to some other uh long take movies that most people might have not seen because i think they're absolutely brilliant um obviously birdman um children of men is alfonso Cuaron, and he has you know um, that's not an underrated film by any stretch of the imaginations, but there's a lot of long takes in that too. Um, there are a lot of scenes in this movie that reminded me of The Re- Revenant as well, so I want to yeah. shout that movie out too. Um, one of my absolutely positively favorite movies ever made that I saw in film school um, is this one that came out in 2000. It's called, and I'm really getting the name wrong, but it's called The Weckmeister's Harmonies. It's like this Hungarian film that came out like 2000s. And literally the entire movie is 39 um, 11-minute one-take shots. Just all, like, so 39 individual scenes just all done in one take. Yeah. At, at the time, they're before digital. You can only do 11 minutes in a film canister to keep the take going. Um, so they're all 11. That's so cool. Yeah, it's like 39 11-minute scenes that all add to, like, this bigger, weird, surrealist story. But the the, the shots in them themselves are, like, brilliant and impressive and uh, yeah. absolutely insane. So, um, yeah. 
I, I, I had a great time doing our episode on Sam, Sam Mindy's. I don't know how you felt. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I loved being able to check this all out again, and it is cool to see all of it kind of like laid out. And, you know, congratulations to him. He's doing absolutely incredible right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, he's getting all that acclaim. His first movie, his first movie, he won big, big awards. Looks like his most recent movie. It's going to also be a lot thing. of big awards. Do you think uh, 1917 is a, f- a front runner? For Best Picture? Or? Oh, gosh, that's a loaded question. Um, I think after something like this, it's definitely more in the conversation, maybe, uh-huh. um, than it was before. I feel like it's getting more to the forefront of people's minds, especially even just general movie-going yeah. audience. Now people are starting to get it a lot more. We see all these articles, things like that. So, um, yeah, and even a personal personal thing, I'm not announcing my list yet, but yeah. it's it's up there. It's it's, it's in up it. there for you too. It's yeah, in okay. it. nice. So, That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you? Do you think it's a front runner for Best Picture? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it. You know, there's no denying like the technical mm-hmm. um, achievement of it. It's almost. I mean, I don't want to say it's like a cheat code, but it is almost like a cheat code to like give the best director award yeah. to like the movie that's all one take. Like, yeah. And by the way, totally deserving because there, are, I think there's something like over 1,600 extras in this movie or something like that. Oh like, my gosh! Yeah, yeah. The fact that they were all able to like do what they did, I was yeah. just like, yo. The fact that the fact that if one extra like fucked up, they would have yeah. had to do the whole thing over. Yeah, not the whole movie because you. I, I can tell where where the cuts were for sure. I was really trying. I could tell um, yeah, in yeah. a few, but like uh-huh. I was trying to look out for it. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely did not find yeah. all of them. They, so they did a really good job. But did, you're of course you yeah. have an eagle eye with that kind of stuff. I do, and it also they they did a lot with CGI. So like I could I could tell when a CG, more CGI ish moments. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's it's great. I, I think it's brilliant. So um, and. I think if anybody deserves best director right now, it's probably Sam Mendes. So yeah, I'm excited yeah. for him. Go Sam Mendes. Go Sam Mendes. Do your thing. Do your thing, bro. <laughs> it's All 2020. Right. 2020 is the year of Sam Mendes. It looks like, and uh, and with that, that's the end of the meaning of podcast. Thank you so much for listening, um, Sabrina. Where can people find you? On Instagram and Twitter at Sabrina X Monica. Uh, you can find me at Director RB3 across uh, across all platforms. And um, for First Cut, we're on Instagram and Twitter at First Cut TMO. And I just want to say also, I mean, hey to everybody who's just joining us on the I channel. Hey, I know. I should have. Hey, yeah. we, we should give a round of applause for that. Yeah. We should have done that at the beginning. Most people only watch the first 15 minutes I know. Of this podcast. Gosh. Um, <laughs> now it's just us. Yeah, we're just, congratulating <laughs> each other. Well, yeah, I know. But hey, we're here. And uh, and yeah, thank you so much. We're over a thousand subscribers for all of you. That's so exciting. Um, the podcast uh, audience is still growing too. So thank you guys so much. Yeah. Um, and by the way, for all of our YouTube listeners who don't know about our podcast feed, go to uh, listen to uh, the Meaning of Podcast on Apple, um, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, wherever all you listen over to the podcast, we are there. <laughs> um, I think they even have like a Google Podcast app. We're on that too. Um, so wow. yeah, 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 yeah. Get us. Get. Just, I didn't even know. That. Yeah, yeah. Subscribe. And I'm here. Yeah, you're here. Yeah, exactly. Um, subscribe to uh, subscribe to First Cut across all platforms, um, both YouTube and, and yeah. on, on, on podcast. Yeah, and again, thank you guys so much for the love we've been getting on Instagram, Twitter. Like we enjoy that all so much. We read every single comment. So yeah. be sure to leave any comments, questions, suggestions. Uh, yeah. Want to fight us on any topic? Do it. Yeah. We're and open to it. Exactly. <laughs> and guess what? Ace is back next week, y'all. Hey. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're super excited for that. So, yeah. All right. For the Meaning Up podcast, I'm RB3. I'm Sabrina. And we're peacing out, y'all. Peace out. <laughs>